0: Well, good morning. My name is Kyle. We're so glad that you're here today. It's been an exciting day of celebrating Jesus and watching people follow him in baptism and to worship together. And I'm excited about a lot of things today. I'm very excited to get in our brand new series called There's Grace for That. As we were getting ready to uh, preach in February and looking at preaching calendar a lot of things that went through my mind that are very important, that are a big deal, that we need to speak into uh, the life of our church. Uh, I could think about things like marriage. I'm sure there's some marriages in the room that could use some encouragement right now, use some biblical uh, teaching right now, principles right now. Big deal. Uh, I could think about money and how some of you don't have enough. Some of you don't know what to do with what you got. Some of you don't understand generosity. Money's a very big deal. Could definitely talk about that. But I've just been having a lot of conversations lately with a lot of people, and what I'm hearing over and over again is, at very best, a limited, um, maybe better yet, a lack of understanding of grace. And I'm here to tell you that if we miss grace, what it is, what it can do in our lives, how it can change us, how it can shape us, then we miss everything. And so I feel like for the next few weeks, we've really got to take a long look at grace and what God has for us in it and through it. And I don't stand up here today to act like I've got grace all figured out, but I do think that together we can look at grace from the Scripture and we can unpack it more. And God's going to reveal some things that I believe all of us desperately need in our lives. Well, to get this thing rolling today, need a little group participation. So if you jump in here just a little bit. Got a question for you. There's a choice coming on the screen. You already know what your answer is. Are you a rule keeper or are you a rule breaker? All right. Are you a rule keeper or are you a rule breaker? For the rule keepers in the room... You say, speed limit, right? Like, 55, stay alive, right? For the rule breakers in the room, they're like, speed limit, (laughs) right? Some of you, you play games, you follow the rules. Not only do you follow the rules, you make sure everybody else follows the rules. And for the others in the room, your mantra is, just win, baby, right? (laughs) How many of you... Who are married, potentially married, your opposite, meaning you're a rule keeper and they're a rule breaker or vice versa. How's that working out for you, right? Yeah, uh uh-huh, yeah. How's it working out in parenting, right? As you watch your kids and you're more of one than the other and you want them to be more like you and they're like this. It just can be a struggle, can't it? Rule keepers, you see rules as black and white, right? It is a very distinct right, wrong, this is what you do and this is what you do not do. Uh, rule breakers consider the rules, eh, optional. Rule keepers, question for you. Is there ever a time to break the rules? Is there ever a time to break the rules? For instance, the light is red. Do you run it? If you're in downtown Memphis and it's after dark, if there's nobody coming, you keep going. You hope the police pull you over. You need to see a friendly face. I lived there for 11 years. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> rule breakers, question for you. Is there ever a time to keep the rules? And you say, next question. Here's a question for you. Was Jesus a rule keeper or a rule breaker? Was Jesus a rule keeper or a rule Breaker. I say to you, it depends on whose rules they were. Because Jesus didn't follow or adhere to the religious rules of the day, but he followed to a T, dotting every I, the rules, the law, the commands that his father gave. In fact, He kept every single command the Father gave. It's the reason why we as Christians look to Jesus for everything because he pulled off what nobody else could pull off. He pulled off perfection. He did what nobody else could do. He did it all and he did it absolutely perfectly. And so Jesus, he is who we need. Jesus is what we need. Well, as we think about this idea of Grace this morning. I want you to look at John chapter 1 and verse 14. John chapter 1 and verse 14. And notice on the screen here it says the word. And I want to go ahead and just kind of catch you up in case you've never studied this before or know what it means. We could literally say here when it says the word, we could literally say Jesus, okay? So when we say here in John chapter 14, chapter 1, verse 14, the word, we could say Jesus. So the word or Jesus became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. This is the incredible idea that God sent Jesus from heaven because Jesus existed before he came here to earth. And he came down here and he took on flesh to hang out, to live with, to do life with people just like you and I. And those people that are just like you and I were imperfect, just like you and I. And so the word, Jesus became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We... And the we here is the writer, John, the apostle, and the other apostles. He's like, we've had this eyewitness account of Jesus, and so I want to tell you what we've seen. He says, we have seen his glory. We've seen his majesty. We've seen his holiness. We've seen his righteousness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, again, Jesus, who Jesus came from the Father, and notice this, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. And so he didn't just have some truth and he didn't just have some grace. The scripture says that he was completely full to the brim of grace and truth. He was the full embodiment of grace and truth. And as we think about these two things of truth and grace, truth shouts and declares, you're accountable. Grace says, you're forgiven. Truth says, you're broken. Grace says, you're okay. Truth says, what you do matters. Grace says, no matter what you do, I love you. Truth says, you are lost. Grace says, you can be saved. Truth says, you can't save yourself. Grace says, Jesus can save you. Truth says, only Jesus can save Grace says Jesus wants to save you. Truth truth says you can't do enough. Grace says Jesus did enough. This is the tension between truth and grace always. And again, truth would shout, you're accountable. And grace would say, you're forgiven. So which one is it? Is it truth or is it grace? Which one's the bigger deal? Which one should we make more Well, John says we watched Jesus. We followed him. We listened to him. We ate with him. We talked with him. We walked with him. We saw him do all the things that he did. And here's what we witnessed. Here's the conclusion that we came to. He was full of grace and truth. So, as we look at Jesus, we see grace and we see truth. So if you want to see truth, you look at Jesus. If you want to see grace, you look at Jesus. Why? Because he is full. He's full of grace and truth. It's, it's both. But, but we want one or the other, don't we? Rule keepers, you know which one you want. Rule breakers, you know which one you want. L- let's face it, though. It it depends on which day of the week it is as to which one we are and which one we want. For instance, the rule keepers in the room, you're honest enough, right? You don't always keep the rules. There are moments where, ooh. And for the rule breakers in the room, you definitely understand there are different days that you have. For instance, when you, the crazy driver, get pulled over, I think you need a good dose of truth. When I, the responsible driver, get pulled over, I think I need some grace, right? When I see you in sin, I want to give you scriptures that will make you read scriptures about truth. When I'm the one in sin, I want to read scriptures about grace, right? When I mess up, I desperately want grace. So what is grace? Let's define grace this way this morning. Uh, Grace is Jesus. Grace is Jesus, It is the simplest, clearest way that we can define grace this morning. If I want to know what grace looks like, if I want to know what grace sounds like, if I want to see how grace interacts with other people, I look at Jesus. And so we want to look at Jesus who truly is the full embodiment of grace. So here's the deal. Whether you're a rule keeper or whether you're a rule breaker, we both need the same thing. Think about this for just a moment. We both share this in common, rule breakers, rule keepers. We have a pride issue. Rule keepers, you say things like, I don't break the rules, right? Pride. Rule breakers, you say things like, I don't need the rules, right? Pride. Rule keepers, you say things like, I'm good because of the rules. And rule breakers say things like, I'm good without the rules. So what did Jesus do? He, the full embodiment of truth and grace, interacted, had conversations with, had experiences with rule keepers and rule breakers. And so this morning, for just a few moments, I want to show you a couple stories in Scripture where Jesus, who is grace, interacted with a rule keeper and where he interacted with a rule breaker. Notice in John chapter 3 and verse number 1, where we're going to be reading this morning one of our stories. John chapter 3. Verse 1 it says here in John chapter 3, it says, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. So we got this guy here in John chapter 3. His name is Nicodemus. Nicodemus is the religious of the religious, he is a Pharisee, he is a rule keeper. He always, always, always finds himself keeping. The rules. Not only does he keep the rules, but he is so religious that he makes other people keep the rules and calls them out when they don't keep the rules. In fact, of his particular sect of religiosity as a Pharisee, not only did he keep the rules and make sure other people kept the rules, they would make more rules of which they would keep, and then they would make rules to keep the rules. I mean, this guy was a rule keeper. Of rule keepers. This is who Nicodemus was. And in John chapter 3, Jesus enters into a conversation, a one on one dialogue with Pharisee, an ultimate rule keeper. Well, as Jesus begins to share and Jesus begins to talk, Jesus begins to present truth to him because Jesus is full truth and he is full grace. He is full of both. And he is presenting some truths to Nicodemus that he can't fully comprehend and to the level that he can comprehend them he reaches the conclusion that not only can he not fully comprehend them he cannot complete he cannot carry out the truths that Jesus is presenting him with because Jesus presented him with truths like this hey Nicodemus if you really want to go and be with God in eternity on the other side of this life if you want to make it to heaven if you want eternal life you've got to do this you've got to be born again And Nicodemus, in his head, he's trying to process that. He's like, i got to go back into my mother's womb and, like, come out again. He's like, I can't do that. He couldn't comprehend it, nor could he complete it. So Nicodemus is kind of pushing back from the table and saying, Jesus, what you're saying right now, it's too much for me. I can't do it. The truth overwhelmed him, and so Jesus then extends to him what every single person needs, whether you're a rule keeper or a rule breaker, Jesus extends himself to him, and he is grace. So if you drop, drop down in John chapter 3 to verse number 16, John chapter 3 and verse number 16, one of these verses that we're really, really familiar with, you may just think it's like, oh, Jesus said that and it was kind of a standalone deal. It was in the middle of his conversation with Nicodemus. This verse came out of a conversation with a rule keeper of rule keepers. And this is what Jesus declares to him in John chapter 3 and verse 16. He says, for this is how God loved the world. So he's going to describe, Jesus is going to describe the Father's love for the world. And when he says the world here, he literally means everyone. He's speaking about everyone. So who does God love? We literally could say he loves everybody. So when we talk about the world, we're talking about people. God loves good people and God loves bad people. God loves church-going people. God loves non-church-going people. God loves clean people and God loves dirty people. God loves your family, and God loves your in-laws too. God loves your neighbor, including that neighbor. God loves black people, he even loves white people. He loves rich people, he loves poor people. He loves American people, and he loves people who aren't American. Jesus loves all people. This is who God is. So here's what he says. For this is how God, oh, go back. Scripture, there we go. But this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. Now, who's speaking right here? Jesus is speaking. And he says, God loves you this much, and he gave his one and only son. Who's His one? Jesus is talking about himself at this moment. Jesus is beginning to reveal truth and grace to Nicodemus at the same time. When he says to him, he gave his one and only son, Jesus is the one and only son that's being spoken of here. He's like he gave you me. He gave you something that you could not you could not earn. He gave you something that you could not get on your own. He gave you something that you couldn't pay for. He gave you something that you couldn't achieve. He literally gave you this gift and this gift is me. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who keeps the rules will not perish but have eternal life. Right or wrong? Y'all can say wrong anytime I'm wrong. Anytime I'm ever wrong, y'all can say wrong. All right? That's not what it says. So that everyone who goes to church regularly will have eternal life. Thank you. You're catching on. You're paying attention now. You're awake. All right. For everyone who doesn't do bad will have eternal life. It says everyone who believes in him. Who? Jesus. The one who is what? Full of grace and truth. Everyone that believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This belief that we place in this person of Jesus Christ gives us an experience and a relationship and a connection with grace that we are all desperate for. And so next screen is this, rule keepers. We don't need rules. We need a ruler. Some of you are such rule keepers that what you crave and what you think you need to fulfill yourself in this life is more rules and keeping those rules. And yet, in your effort to find more rules and keep more rules, you're finding yourself actually more empty as you go along. You don't need more rules. You need a ruler, and his name is Jesus. You need grace, and his name is Jesus. You need a savior, and his name is Jesus. You need a master, and his name is Jesus. Now don't freak out on me. This doesn't mean there's no more rules ever. It just means we are following the one who gives the rules. And his name is Jesus, and he is our ruler. And he is the one that can satisfy us, and he is the one that can complete us, and he is the one that can forgive us, and he's the one that can make us what we long to be, every single one of us longed for perfection and Jesus is that perfect one and so what you don't need you don't need rules you 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 need a ruler you need a ruler this is what he gave to Nicodemus to experience eternal life this is what he gave to Nicodemus to experience forgiveness this is what he gave to Nicodemus to experience a new life Jesus also had a conversation with another guy who was a rule breaker. He was a known felon. In fact, he had broken the laws of the land to the point that he was found guilty and he was sentenced to death. That's how bad this guy was. That's how bad of a rule breaker this guy was. In fact, he was sentenced to die on a cross. And it just so happened that this rule breaker was sentenced to die on the cross at the same time, at the same instance, that Jesus was hung on a cross. Now, if you're paying attention, and and especially if you're maybe hearing this story for the first time and you're wondering where this is going, a few moments ago we declared that Jesus never broke God's law, that he fulfilled it and that he was perfect, and now we're saying he's going to hang on a cross and die like a criminal. You didn't miss anything in this story. Here's the deal. Jesus didn't do any wrong. That's actually the reason why they crucified him. They crucified him because of his perfection. They crucified him because they couldn't find anything wrong with him. They crucified him because he was making everybody else look bad that was trying to follow the rules. And so Jesus is going to be hung on a cross. And in John, excuse me, in Luke chapter 23, we find this story of grace Luke chapter 23. And in Luke chapter 23, we'll pick up in verse 39. There's actually two criminals in this story. The first one's in verse 39. It says, one of the criminals, Hanging beside him, meaning Jesus, hanging beside Jesus, scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? So this guy had heard enough to know that the idea was that Jesus was being at best accused of being the appointed one, of being the anointed one, of being the Messiah, the rescuer that they had learned about growing up in the Jewish faith. He says, so you're the Messiah, are you? Scoffing. He goes on to say, prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. This guy's so close. He's so close. And yet he doesn't say it in faith. He says it in a scoffing, doubt-filled, indignant way. You're the Messiah. Ha! Save yourself and save us. This guy's so close to figuring out who Jesus is. So close, but he doesn't. Look at verse number 40 because this guy, he figured it out. He says, but the other criminal, the other criminal protested. Don't you, talking to the other criminal, don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? He's like, come on, man. Like, we are about to meet our maker, and you're going to just scoff and and just have this kind of attitude. I can't even believe it. Look at verse number 41. He says, we deserve to die for our crimes. So this criminal that we're speaking of now He had come to the place of saying, you know what, I've been a rule breaker my entire life and I finally got caught. I don't know how it looked for him getting into the whole rule breaking life of just saying, you know what, I don't care what the law says. I don't care what authority says. I don't know what his parents were like. I don't know if if he had great parents or if he had loser parents. I don't know if his parents just protected him all the time because they wanted to be good and and nobody else to know he's bad. And I don't know if they were the one that went to the principal's office and always stood up for their kid even though he's being a jerk at school. I don't know if they were that parent or not. I don't know. But eventually, this guy lived a life that said, you know what? I don't care about the rules. I'm going for it anyway. And it all caught up to him. And in this moment, not only did it catch up with him, but he's honest about it. And he's like, you know what? I deserve to be here. Everything that I've done, every rule that I've broken, every law that I've broken caused me to be here. He said, we deserve to die. There is a moment of acknowledgment here of his sin that is huge. He says, we deserve to die for our crimes. But this man, who? Jesus. This man? He hasn't done anything wrong. So we don't know, but you have to just get this idea that this criminal who says, we deserve to die, and this guy's perfect, that he'd been kind of keeping up with Jesus. Who knows if he had been there when he fed 5,000. Maybe he actually ate some of the food, possibly, that Jesus did a miracle to produce more food. And maybe he ate that. Maybe he saw that. Maybe he saw Jesus heal some people. Maybe he, he, he heard about the story about him walking on water. But anyway, he had seen enough of Jesus to say, you know what, this guy right here, he hasn't done anything wrong. He is perfect. He is the Messiah. And then look at uh, the rest of the verse, verse 42. Then he said, Jesus, oh, what a name, right? Come on, church, Jesus. Is there any greater name than Jesus? There's not. There's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved other than the name of, say it for me, Jesus, okay? Scripture says that when we call upon the name of the Lord and his name is Jesus, when we call upon his name in faith, the scripture declares we will be saved. And this guy in repentance, understanding that he is lost, separated from God in his sin, deserves to die on the cross, gets one of the most intimate, close-up experiences with grace Ever known to mankind. I mean, we're all about the the cross of Jesus Christ, right? It's why He came. He came to die for our sins. He's hanging next to Him. He is hearing Him struggle to breathe. He can see the blood, He can see the gore, and He's experiencing truly the same exact physical pain that Jesus is experiencing. And in this moment, He says, I deserve to die. And he calls on the name of Jesus. And here's what he says. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, this is it for me. I deserve to die. I don't believe that you do. I think that you're perfect and I think that you're pure. He's scoffing at you, but I believe that you're the Messiah. And I believe that you can change my eternity. And so I'm placing my faith in you. So when we get to the other side, when we get over to the eternity side, I want to spend the rest of my eternity with you and with God the Father. And so I'm requesting of you right now to understand that I see how stuck I am in my sin and how many rules that I've broken. And I'm setting aside my pride and I'm coming to you in faith right now and I'm asking you to remember me. And look at what Jesus says in verse 43. Hear the grace. And Jesus replied, remember Jesus is on the cross. He's bleeding for our sin. And Jesus says to this man, I assure you, today, you will be, you will be, with me, in paradise. This is grace, people. I mean, the guy deserved to die. All of the, all of the, the rulers of the day, all of the, the lawmakers of the day, all the judges of the day, they had agreed, this cat deserves to die. He's a criminal. And Jesus says, you know what? When you wake up on the other side, because of my grace and because of who I am, you're going to be with me forever in paradise. This is grace. Jesus is grace. Jesus is exactly who this guy needed. And Jesus is exactly who. Who we need. Again, we don't need rules. We need a ruler. What if Jesus would have leaned over and said, hey, man, um, I tell you what, if you, could, if you could start going to church regular, and you're on the cross, right? If you could start going to church, go to synagogue regular, go to church regular, you do that for a little while, we'll talk about it. We'll see how this thing gets, and we'll see if you make it to heaven or not. Would that have worked out for this guy? No. Rules were going to do him no good at all. He desperately Needed grace, just like the rule keeper whose name was Nicodemus. We don't need rules, we need a ruler, we need a savior whose name is Jesus. We need grace who is fully, fully expressed in Jesus. Just to be clear, I want to look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 and verse number 9. It says, God, it doesn't say, your pastor. It doesn't say your grandma, and she was awesome, I get it. Mine was too. God. God. Saved. Rescued. Pulled you out. God saved you by his what? Grace. He saved you by his grace. What are we beginning to learn his grace is? His grace is Jesus. Okay, his grace is giving you something that you don't deserve. His grace is giving you a gift that you cannot earn. His grace is giving you something that you cannot get in and of yourself and his name is Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you started to go into church regular. Come on y'all, y'all catching on this morning. I like it. All right? He saved you by his grace. When you finally started that Bible study and you did all of the work in between during the week and you showed up every week for that Bible study, that's when he finally saved you. God saved you by his grace when you finally stopped that sin that has always been a struggle for you. God saved you by his grace when you, come on, help me out, when you. You understand this belief is like this soul thing, right? It's not like. Hey, yeah, I think you're real. It's like I deserve to die on this cross. I can't go be unborn and reborn on my own. I've been pretty good at keeping all of these rules, but I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't finish that truth that you just gave me. Or, or maybe you know what? I've really stuck at this thing called life, and I've been breaking rules my whole life, and it's got to be by your grace, and so I'm trusting you for everything. Rule breaker, rule keeper, it doesn't make any difference if you've been going to church your whole life. It doesn't matter if you walked in here today, and you're like, man, i been doing this for a long time, and I think I got it down. You've only been saved by His grace when you've believed. If it's your first time being here today in a long time, and maybe you even just had to work up the courage to come to church today because you were scared to come in, you're afraid the building might fall down or something. Listen, I'm here to tell you, Jesus loves you. He wants to save you by, your, by his grace, and he will do that when you believe. No matter how messed up you are. No matter how messed, you, messed up you are. This is why Jesus went to the cross. By the way, just in case y'all missed it, I, I hope I said it earlier. Jesus didn't stay dead. Okay, he died on the cross, but three days later, he got up and he is alive today. And it's the reason why we have hope. Jesus is alive. So God saved you by his grace when you believe. And you can't, you, you can't take credit for this. Look at me. Look at what I did. Woo, man, I, me, and, me and God, we're like this because of all of this and all of that. No, 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 no. I, I can't take credit. It is a gift from God. Your salvation, your rescue, your forgiveness, your rightness with God, it's a gift from him. And just to be clear, he puts verse 9 in here. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. That ought to make everybody in the room rejoice because some of you have done a lot of good things. And at the end of the day, you realize I haven't done enough. Some of you have done so many bad things that you're like, have I done anything good at all? This brings hope for us all. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. It's the reason why when we show up to church, we shout, we sing the name of Jesus because it's all about him. It's all about him. I'm going to tell you that if it's not him and it's got to be me, I'm done. I'm cooked, I'm fried, put a fork in me, I am done. And I'm just talking about yesterday. It's got to be him. So salvation, this thing that we're declaring this morning, this thing that God is declaring through Jesus, salvation, listen to me, there's grace for that. And so if you're wondering, can it be, can can I get redeemed, can I get bought back, can I be forgiven, can God receive me, can God accept me, listen, there's grace for that. And maybe, just maybe, you've been going to church your whole life and you've just kind of bought into this bad, terrible, erroneous idea that you can do enough and you got the people around you fooled and today you need to shirk all of that off and you need to receive grace today and be forgiven. Come on. Maybe today you're like, you know what? I've done so many ungodly, sickening things. I just don't know if there's any rescue for me. There's grace and he wants to receive you. He wants to save you. And so the question is, have you received it? Have you received it? Listen, if you're a believer, like you're a follower of Jesus, and you've come to that place of understanding your sin and um, accepting his sacrifice on the cross and being redeemed, man, wow, we should just, this is the story. This is the message. This is the hope. This is our Christianity this is why we do what we do, because we have a Savior, and his name is Jesus. And listen, if you've not received that, my heart breaks for you this morning. My heart prays for you this morning to know what a hopeless place that you are in. We had a terrible tragedy in our country uh, last week, and you can say whatever level that was on, but we, we lost a guy that most everybody in this country and the world knows and my heart is just like, man, where, where, where are they? Where's the family at? Do they have any hope? Where, where were they? I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a ray of hope in that situation, right? Well, I don't know how much longer I've got, how much longer you've got. The question is, have we received his grace? And today you can receive it. Today can be the day of salvation. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you this morning. We're thanking you for your grace, and when we say grace, we mean we are thanking you for Jesus because, Jesus, you are the full expression of grace. Thank you for the conversation that you had with the rule keeper named Nicodemus that landed us in a spot to hear John 3, verse 16. Thank you for the conversation that you had on the cross, Jesus, with a rule breaker who totally deserved to be there. And while you didn't deserve a moment of anything you experienced there, you took the time in that excruciating physical, emotional, spiritual agony to do what you came for, to rescue the lost. Thank you. And so, God, this morning, I don't know if we come in here as rule keepers with our pride we come in here with rule breakers, we humbly come to you and say that we've tried and we've failed, and we're going to do something different now. We're going to start trusting in you and your work on the cross. We're going to believe that your payment there was good enough, (laughs) was enough to pay for our sin, and that your coming back from the dead was enough to conquer what we can't conquer, receive you and your forgiveness and your righteousness and your relationship and the eternity that comes with that with you and the life change that comes now. So if there's anybody here today that hasn't received the grace of God, I pray that they would today. It's in Jesus' name I pray.